1: Hey, 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 Michelle! Well, I am great today. Yes, yeah, I'm excited. All kinds of good things happening on the horizon. Yeah, I know. I know. Yeah.
0: And we um, we're in season four
1: now. Can you believe it? Here we are. Yeah, we um, season. What is what is four in Spanish? Cuatro. Cuatro. See, I'm I'm studying Spanish now, but I still
0: had to ask what number four is. Right. Well, we could probably check our Google Translate real fast. <laughs> and numero and, um, cuatro. Yeah, cuatro. Yes, yeah. so it's um yeah it's yeah. it's cool it's really neat that we've made it this far. Mm-hmm. You know, it was just the other day with season one.
1: It, I do, it does feel that way, but then when you like look through the catalog and yeah. see all the conversations we've had, it's kind of it's humbling and amazing all at once. And the other so... day
0: I was telling some people about our podcast. I was at the improv shop in St. Louis and uh, getting ready to watch the performance mm-hmm. and talking to the people at the table and told about the podcast and they whipped out their phones and they. Got it right out nice. and you know, subscribed and it looked it was like, wow, 73 episodes. <laughs> wow. You know, they, they, I was like, and I said, you yeah. don't have to listen to all of them. <laughs> don't feel you at the start of the beginning. Just choose what interests you. Sure. Yeah. Wide <laughs> variety of things. Yeah, yeah. definitely. And... Well, over 20,000 downloads and listens now. Yeah, yeah. Congratulations. Yeah. Cheers. High five. That.
1: Woo-hoo. Yeah. Thank we- you, listeners. Absolutely. Yeah. Just lots of good things. Totally. Yeah. I am getting ready to go on a major trip. You are? And yes. when this airs, you'll have. I will have return fingers crossed yes hopefully no <laughs> ransom you know will have been requested. I am traveling to El Salvador. I'm looking forward to it very very much. My family is terrified right
0: but I you
1: know what uh, Denise our producer always says you know with with regards to women's intuition she's like, trust your gut. That bitch knows, and I feel it. You know, I feel it. I feel very excited and confident about the trip, and yeah, well, I'm really looking forward to seeing a totally different part I've of the world. I've never been to I've South America or Central
0: America, so yeah, it, um, I'm looking forward to hearing your. Your reactions and your stories, absolutely. But I don't have any money, so <laughs> you cannot use me as your get out of free right, right jail card, right, you right. You know, I, I mean, I would try. I'd hold, like, I'd hold a bake sale. You know, I'd, 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 here's I'd, twenty cents. I do the Patreon. I'd be like, uh, go fund me help. I, I'm, I'm going to
1: make bonbons and casseroles to try and get Emily free. Emily freed. <laughs> they
0: just keep sending us proof of life. or are working
1: on it here. <laughs> More bonbons coming. So yeah, so that's what's happening on my side, yeah. and uh, I just you? have a bunch
0: of improv performances coming up. Um, you know, like legit, not student showcases, but um, you know, the the independent team that I belong to, the extraneous commas. Yes, we are. You're perf- going to premiere soon. We are performing at the end of February, so again, it'll have already passed by the time this airs. But we're really looking forward to it, and. Uh, um, Doing a performance, I was asked to be a part of a like just a thrown together group for a special performance at a church um, here in St. Louis, and so that's kind of um, you know flattering and fun, fun to do, and uh, yeah, just kind of
1: keeping keeping things going. I love it. I'm so excited for you. Thanks. Well, we have a great show today. We do. I'm excited for we, this conversation. I am. So, as soon as we said we're going to have B side conversations, our guest today was top on the list. And I am thrilled that we were able to um, bring him, him into this. I know. Because schedules worked out. It's crazy. It, it's in. really meant to be. So, Perfect. with us today is Steve Smith. Hello, Steve. Hello,
2: Michelle, Emily.
1: So, by the way, when
2: did season four start?
0: Now, Um, this is the no, no, last week. I mean, it. You're this. This will be the second episode in season four. Yeah so there will be there's one before you so but you're
1: you're you're the first you're the, you're the first boy the first B-side conversation
2: <laughs> yeah season the first four. B-side yeah yeah,
1: yeah. so absolutely. we we always
0: record there's usually like a three week lead time from when we record our episode and when it finally gets released unless it's something that is like so critical timely we have to get it right out
1: mm-hmm. um, and then
0: we do do that we have yeah. had that in the past so we, you
1: know it'll, yeah so. so Steve and I met Um, goodness at the uh, opening of the well, near the opening of the Angad Arts Hotel, which is one of his many yeah. many projects in St. Louis. When when did that open? So we Steve? were
2: introduced uh, by uh, and I can't remember a his name from the friend. Symphony.
1: Yeah, uh, that was
2: well over a year ago, right after the mm-hmm. God Arts Hotel opened up. Isn't um, the
0: God and clearly speaking about the same? Aren't they the same age? Because oh, well, we dropped similar. our first episode in October of twenty eighteen. Yeah, and I think. That's pretty cool. Liane
2: got opened in November of 19, but we started construction in October of 18.
0: No, Mm -hmm. you've been open. This is 20. You're right. I
2: got my year wrong. Yeah. You're right. You're Math. right. Oh, yeah. oh, time flies. Oh, my gosh.
0: <laughs> so
1: you you're
2: right. a year older than you thought. So you're a you month thought. older than we are. <laughs> well, and it shows. It shows. <laughs> you have that much more experience.
1: <laughs> we can calculate years correctly. As long as we haven't had too much wine.
2: Right.
1: But, so we're about uh, the same age. Awesome.
2: We are. Yeah. Awesome. We are.
1: But but Steve and I were Two instant friends. Two great St. Louis
2: institutions. Oh. growing up together. Exactly,
1: maturing. <laughs> God, it's so true. <laughs> we were absolutely instant friends, though. Um, just be, you know, Steve is just this incredible visionary in town. Um, he's very passionate about revitalization of um, communities within St. Louis, and and he does that through. Um, Uh, development projects, giving new life to old, old, uh, historically important buildings. And um, he's had many projects all around town of which prior to me even knowing him I loved and then of course getting to meet him I was just like oh yeah it all makes sense that these are all of your projects <laughs> um, but it just I, I always love what a big picture thinker and how giving um, you are Steve well, thank to the community you very much. and um, it just was so clear that you know you you're an amazing person happy be, be, be love to have a conversation with on the show. So thank you.
2: Well, thank you for inviting me here. And I very much enjoyed because Emily is a uh, idea person and all interesting ideas and and, uh, and also a person of action both of you so right well that. you
0: have to be careful if you let Emily know what your dream is because she will she'll will make it become a reality exactly so you know be, be guarded like how far <laughs> how far of those of that uh, daydream do you want to go down because she will she will come back with a plan I, of action and a binder and steps for you to start following
1: and I have many <laughs> binders waiting they're empty binders just saying it's time. I, I need a yeah. life. Yeah. Give we, me a plan. Waiting for the
2: right moment. Right. Exactly. Right to fill in.
1: Yeah.
0: But we, have a, we do have some wine. Let's oh, uh, yeah. get can't, to that we can't, before we start uh, We can't dive Steve. in too
1: much. <laughs> right. Watch out. So, our wine today, I'm very excited about um, for a few reasons. One is... Um, It's kind of atypical in that um, we're going to be drinking a white from Rioja. You know, we've had red Riojas uh, before. Um, I don't see the white Riojas all that often, so it's kind of refreshing to see this. And um, because uh, Steve said he prefers... Tea. I thought, well, what what can <laughs> what, what can we do? That's the closest to tea. So I thought, oh, white Rioja yeah, sounds lovely. That makes sense. Yeah, totally. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So I um, like
0: tea also. So yeah,
2: strong tea. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> this is uh, monopole. It's uh, twenty seventeen. And um, you know, I have just given it an initial sniff and taste. I'm very much looking forward to really assessing this further. But I, I'm getting some really lovely aromatics that I, I think really follow through on the palate. On this, I'm, I'm getting right out of the gate lime zest, some you know grapefruit, and you know that that green apple. It's got some nice limer- minerality. Um, you know, some of that. St- Stone, kind of what stone essence and honey. Um, I think it's really quite lovely so far. No? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it, it,
0: it's vibrant. Is that a good description of a blonde I think so. It's definitely vibrant in my um, on my palette. I mm-hmm. don't find it very sweet, no, at all, which is nice. You know, I um, and I am uh, prior to the, doing this podcast with you, Emily. I always thought like. Rioja was the grape but it's a region.
1: Correct. Yeah. So
0: that's why I was like oh Rioja's always red because I always thought it was a the grape but now I'm learning through the podcast and going on the wine tastings with you and stuff like that that many times what they when they're advertising on their bottle is like the region it's from not necessarily the grape and you like right. continue to have to search maybe on the back. So does it tell what grapes are in there? I was just
1: looking for that cuz I remember the other day we had a Rioja that was like a Tempranillo grape but I do not See what grape this is, but you know, as we always do, I will make sure that we you know oh, we share share the information about what this is. This is you know, it's in our our price point. It's twenty dollars. This one's twenty
0: dollars. Mm-hmm. We have edged up. We are in the fourth season. Yeah, I mean, everybody has learned how it's to inflation. budget for more more yeah. <laughs> uh, higher bottles, higher priced bottles of wine than when we started.
1: Yes, yeah, so we have inflation each season. Oh my gosh, but, um, you know it's. Considering, you know, Spanish wines are so affordable, knowing that this is $20, that's got to really say something about what we're drinking.
0: Well, didn't we learn on Saturday that it's with, um, in Spain, that uh, they subsidize Mm -hmm. their wine industry so that they can keep the Spanish wines at an affordable amount? Right. So we were tasting some amazing things on Saturday. $10, $12. And it was extraordinary. Yeah. Because they were subsidized. If um, mm-hmm. we pro- this would probably be what maybe thirty dollars. I
1: know, right? If it weren't, yeah.
0: Um, and, they, <laughs> and it was. They take their EU money and they use that. They use it and t- towards the uh, one of the things they use the EU money for is to um, subsidize the wine industry. So yeah. I found that very fascinating. So Michelle, if this was a panny, well, like I said, this is a pretty vibrant. Wine to me, and um, bear with me in my uh, description. I see like a neon uh pink, kind of like a clearly speaking pink, just real bright with um boy shorts, but like kind of you know spandexy that's the right word spandexy. Um, yeah, so vibrant uh boy short, like just. Pink, or you could do orange, but definitely like in the late 1980s neon colors. This is
1: very appropriate as we're approaching Mardi Gras season as this episode is being recorded. That sounds very Mardi Gras-esque.
0: Right. Well, I was thinking more like spring colors. Oh, Mardi okay. Gras is, you know, the um, the certain royal deep colors of,
1: sure. okay. of the
0: gold and the purples. But this is more of... I mean, just look into Google if people who are not from the 1980s on listening to the episode, (laughs) pick up your phone and Google neon leg warmers and, um, and wham, uh. Images, and then you might see what I'm talking about.
1: So, Steve, do you remember the 1980s? Were you yeah, around then? I, do. <laughs>
2: yeah, I was around then. So we're dating ourselves. We have to do that here.
0: Um, so. Yeah, they, I, people know how much, how old I am. I on, on the show. <laughs> it's okay. I'm fine with it.
1: So it was really fun. Um, Steve and I were walking in Shock City Studios at the same time today, and he's like, "I've never been here, but I know it because I." Designed well, it, well, our firm, right? Lawrence
2: Group, designed Shock City Studios back in 2008. Wow. I say, 2008, yeah. 2009. The, the physical a... building. So, um, but actually, cool. I never was in it.
1: <laughs> That's amazing. So here you are. You're like seeing one of your children for the exactly. first time.
2: <laughs> well, it only took 12 years.
0: You were, you were commissioned <laughs> to. Um, Designed the the rehab of the, the building and, yep. and the and partitioning it out and and
2: yeah so this was an empty building and so there's apartments next door and then you got the studios here and the retail space and we designed it and we built it so,
0: oh, that's so Lawrence cool. Group did yeah. okay the the yeah. the out the rehab I guess yeah oh, because mm-hmm. you exactly. didn't you didn't change the outside structure. It was still here. It
2: is a historic building. Okay. And that's what we do a lot of is restore historic buildings like Emily was saying. Yeah. And so, and this was during the recession, actually. This project happened in the toughest of toughest times. Yeah. And so... um, so anyway, it was a great uh, project with a great owner, and they had a real vision for what they wanted to create here. And it's great to see it thriving here a dozen years later, even though I've never been in the building. Til <laughs> yeah. now.
0: Till now. Yeah. Uh, well, what was your first project you ever worked
2: on? So the Lawrence Group started in Lafayette Square, not far from oh, here. I love that
1: neighborhood. And
2: um, I don't want to date myself, but That's when like I graduated <laughs> from college in the late 70s, Uh, I bought an old wrecked building in Lafayette Square on LaSalle Street, about a half a block from 1111 Mississippi, Mm -hmm. if you know where the restaurant is there. And uh, the building didn't have a roof. It didn't have windows. You know, it basically was a shell of a building. I paid $10,000 for it. Um, Did your parents go, what are you thinking? Actually, my dad loaned me the money. (laughs) Oh, okay. So, thankfully, he was.
0: He had a vision, too?
2: I don't know. Somehow he let me... uh
1: He believed in you. He, exactly. Yeah.
2: I guess that's what it was. So um, anyway, that was 1979 and restored the building. Uh, I come from a construction family, born and raised in St. Louis. And so completed in 1982 and then started the Lawrence Group in 1983, a year later. And the original offices of the Lawrence Group were in the house on LaSalle Street. So we were founded there. And so that was my first... Uh, historic re- restoration, renovation, development. Mm. And then it's just gone from there. Did you had to did it like
0: completely become addicted to it after the first one? You know, like I grew up. All the up, ins and outs, all the like it's a challenge to restore a building.
2: I grew up in uh by the airport. I call it Northwest okay. County, a lot of people call it North County, mm-hmm. but anyway, I grew up by the airport. Mm-hmm. Okay. And the subdivision sort of leave it the beaver for us, you know. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. um And when I came back after college, a friend of mine brought me down to Lafayette Square and I had like no idea. I thought it was in a different world. It's like, look Mm -hmm. at all these beautiful historic buildings. Again, this is in the late 70s and had no idea that St. Louis had this treasure uh, treasure chest Mm -hmm. of great, wonderful historic architecture. And so that first building, uh, 1906 LaSalle Street. Uh, sort of no uh, in Lafayette Square opened my eyes to really what a great legacy we have in this town. Yeah. And that's really what I've pretty much focused a big part of my career on since.
1: So Lafayette Square, um, now it's 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 hands down one of my very favorite neighborhoods in, in St. Louis. A Victorian neighborhood, beautiful park in the center of it, as so many of our neighborhoods around St. Louis have wonderful parks at the center of them. But um, I know it went through a period of just complete, like it was desolated or desolate. And there was then the revitalization that came in and took quite a bit of time to turn around. Now it's a coveted neighborhood. When you acquired that building, was it in that mode of it being kind of abandoned and fringy?
2: Yeah. So when I bought my house, half the houses on my street were empty. Um, not only were they empty, they were not habitable. Yeah. So there was a, uh, a triplex across the street. Limestone facade had the mansard roof there, mm-hmm. but there was nothing behind it. The whole back of the house had fallen down. So you had basically wow. a, like a like a stage front. Uh, that was right across the street. There were multiple houses on my street that were abandoned like that. So it was the early days, the Wild West of uh, young people coming in, uh, believing in the city, uh, enamored with historic architecture. And since then, obviously, yeah, we've it's not only stabilized... It's quite that expensive to move into that neighborhood now, <laughs> yeah, now exactly. to get one of those houses. ten pay $10,000 for right, that house. It, right. was a three, it was built in 1878. Amazing.
1: Yeah, so. Now... Um, Today, are you? I mean, I know that you still, from a professional standpoint, focus in these historic buildings. Do you personally live in a historic home?
2: So, I now uh, live in a house close to the Galleria that was built in the 30s. Okay. Yeah. But the interesting thing about the house is that um, parts of the house, including the there's a, like a historic fireplace in it, and some of the woodwork all came out of the mansions on Vanaventer Place. Oh. And I don't know if you're familiar with Vanaventer Place, but Vanaventer Place was on Grand, where the um, VA hospital is now, but it was as Ooh. grand as Westmoreland and Portland Place. Okay.
0: I did not even know that that existed.
2: Yeah, so Google it. Look up Van Aventer Place, St. Louis. Uh, it was the first private street with the enormous mansions that eventually migrated west to King's Highway. <laughs> right. Where they are today. And, of course, those were abandoned also in the 40s and 50s Amazing. with the suburban... You know migration, and so that really
1: started then.
2: That's right. Wow! Basically after the war, you know. Okay. So um, and unfortunately, I mean, that it would be such an incredible neighborhood today to still have that, but unfortunately, long gone.
1: The geography of St. Louis is pretty vast, and I know that flight has taken is a part of that. I'm wondering, you know, if if people had stayed, kind of more loyal to the city if, you know, if our geography would be as vast as it is and, or if just because there's water here and, you know what I mean, if, if yeah. there's kind of a natural sp- sprawl.
2: We don't we... have physical boundaries in St. Louis. Like so, a mountain. Yeah, we don't have mountains, <laughs> rivers, rivers oceans, We have rivers. you, know, you take Boston or San Francisco you or, your, or, or New York where you have all these physical barriers uh, to yeah. expansion. St. Louis doesn't have that, so... Um, you know, we've grown um, our population, I don't know, fourfold in the last 100 years, but our geography has grown like 40-fold. And yeah, so we yeah. just have have created sprawl because the, there's no physical barriers to do that. You know, the city of St. Louis is 62 square miles. Um, the county is 550 square miles, so it's Whoa. 10 times the size of the city. Holy um, smokes. It doesn't then-
0: have 10 times the, the, the population, right. though, right. either. So it's, it, you know... Wow, maybe maybe five times the population.
2: No, three times. So The the county's a million, and the city's three hundred fifteen thousand. So it's roughly three times the population, and almost nine times the area. uh,
0: St. Louis's heyday, we were eight hundred thousand. That's
2: right. That's right. In the fifties,
0: eight hundred thousand people in the city of St. Louis. Can you imagine if we it took us longer than twenty minutes to get everywhere? (laughs)
1: <laughs> people would be, yeah. <laughs> there would, be, there
0: would be riots in the street that's why sometimes i don't go out the county because like oh gosh it's gonna take so long to drive along manchester yeah. forget that We're spoiled,
2: in that <laughs> regard, Definitely for sure. spoiled i
0: can't get anywhere in the city uh, yeah. within 20 minutes and if it's taking 25 i you know i have to call and let people know i'm running late yeah
2: you know
1: what would be some things that you'd love to see for the city
2: well, it's happening already, first of all. So the city is really where our region's greatest amenities are, uh, our greatest attributes. When you think about our major universities, our cultural mm-hmm. institutions, or uh, our podcast. job center, or this podcast, <laughs> right. um, I mean you think about the region, uh, you know where are where are the things that when people come to our region, where do they visit? Um, it's not Chesterfield Mall. So um, they're coming to, to a lot of the things that, that exist not only in the city limits, but to some degree exist in this sort of central quarter of the city, which is only about eight square miles. Um, you know, from mm. Washington University's front door to the river is about eight square miles. Oh, so like- I talked earlier about how big we are. Yeah, mm. The region is 8,000 square miles.
0: Is that including the Illinois side? That's
2: the Illinois side, Metro okay. East and, yeah. and St. Louis and St. Charles County. Yet- our universities, the symphony, the zoo, the forest park, you know, you just mm-hmm. think about the things that we sort of brag about right. as being St. Louisans is in about 8 square miles. That's it and it's concentrating this area. So what's happening today, what's happening right now is you have this enormous amount of investment happening. You have the 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 greatest population growth in St. Louis city and county is in the census tracts of the central corridor faster than mm-hmm. any part of the county, quite frankly. Uh, the job growth is happening here with what's happening at Cortex and at yeah. uh, Washington. Venture School capital Medicine. is really helping Venture to. Venture capital, use- the innovation community, mm-hmm. Microsoft has moved into this area. Mm-hmm. so um, So that's important, not just to sort of rebuild our city, but how does St. Louis compete for talent, for young, smart, creative, mm-hmm. dynamic people? with Austin or Nashville or Charlotte or name the city if right. we don't have something that's that's dynamic ourselves and I believe it's happening as we speak right now.
0: Yeah. Yeah it's been something that, that I mean I worked in economic development when I first came to St. Louis 25 years ago and that was always on the conversation was how do you keep young people in young people that are not married and no children because it you know the thing that we say to everybody is St. Louis is a great place to raise your kids you know because and and then you think very provincially but like how can we make St. Louis a vibrant and exciting place that the that the young college graduates that are coming in here want to stay yeah and um, and con- continue to contribute to the region. And one of the things I've always said is, it, what's cool about St. Louis is that it is big enough that we have all these great things here, like the zoo and the symphony and the forest park and the Fox and you know all these great theaters. But we also, it's small enough that if you wanna make an impact, you, you can. can. You can totally. get involved. You can change things. Um, yeah, you hard can meet that Steve Smith talk talk. if you want to, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you, you can meet us if well, you want. Well, no, they have to go through our people, right? Yeah, we have people, but like if you were to go to Chicago and try to make as huge of an impact and Chicago, there's like so many layers or you know miles deep of people. You're you know you have to wait yeah. in line behind. You don't have that in St. Louis. Now we have our challenges. Definitely, for sure. As do every uh, yeah. ev-
2: every region, right? Quite frankly, yeah. so. right.
0: But um, the the good thing is, is if we we don't we don't we don't allow ourselves to be blind to those yeah. challenges, yeah. So we can move forward, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think it's so cool that you've chosen St. Louis to be where you want to put those efforts. I mean, Lawrence Group is international, correct?
2: You'll do projects all over. You do uh, work and have partnerships around the world. Yep, exactly.
0: But you have a special focus and energy here in St. Louis. So we are very, very fortunate that you've chosen to do that.
2: Well, thank you. So, you know, I think it's important to have a purpose in life and, Part of my purpose is trying to rebuild our city and make it more competitive and attractive for both people who are from here and, but also from people who may visit or think about coming to St. Louis. So I want to double back a little bit on because sure. we look a lot at history and you know I love mm-hmm. yeah. you know the historical neighborhoods and that uh, St. Louis during its heyday was a great manufacturing city like a lot of eastern coast cities, mm-hmm. but the the cities of the future are knowledge economies. You know they're based on mm-hmm. ideas as opposed to necessarily building things. Fortunately, St. Louis has uh, univer- great universities, mm-hmm. great research medical centers. I mean, we have in our bones, if you will, some of the things that will, uh, that are currently laying the foundation for St. Louis evolving from a manufacturing economy to a knowledge economy, knowledge economy like Seattle or right. Boston or Austin and cities like that, which is the economy Sciences, of the future. Sciences,
1: technology. Exactly. And, right and yeah. and the education all of it
2: so that's why i think that we we do have a lot of opportunity and potential uh, a lot of the cities we talk about, you know, the Nashvilles and Austins and places like that of the world are kind of growing up right now. They've never been bigger.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. And so
2: they're, you know, think about Austin or think about, I mean, Nashville, I, I hope there's not people on the phone in Nashville or, or, or listening from Nashville, but when I was growing up, Nashville was like Wichita. <laughs> sure.
1: Sorry, I, mean, I, mean, I didn't mean <laughs> to laugh about
0: the people from
1: Wichita. Sorry, sorry, exactly. uh, my Are you apology. from Wichita?
2: No, no, I, I know. And I don't I mean to knock Wichita, but I, I mean- know, we uh, definitely uh, have, But yeah. St. Louis once was, a, you know, a, a more- uh, a larger city in the national kind of conscious Sure. as opposed to a lot of the cities we compete with. But what that means is we've got great institutions. So mm-hmm. in Nashville, they would, and, and they've said that, they have to have a symphony, to have the arts uh, organizations, to have an art mm-hmm. museum, to have the infrastructure, the roads, the highways that we yeah. have in St. Louis, they would die for that. So uh, we just have to uh, you know, change our narrative and perception of what St. Louis is about uh, versus what it used to be to be competitive in the future. And that, so that's what what I'm partially involved in with what I do physically yeah. in terms of building buildings and redeveloping neighborhoods and things like that.
1: Well, I know, you know, Steve, we've talked about some of the new projects that you have your hands in, which we'll, we'll eventually get there. But um, what's, what's been really interesting to me is that these projects, they're not just your effort. Like it requires a lot of people hopping on board and getting behind them. And I think you're incredibly good at um, kind of helping people understand the importance of this kind of development. And um, so, you know, I'm I'm just curious uh, a little bit about, you know, was that just something that was really instinctive for you to just know, like, I, you know, these are you know, I need to be a collaborator as opposed to, like, forcing this down? Or, like, how did that really develop for you?
2: Yeah, so it's interesting. I think it's in our culture here to be parochial. You know, where did you go to high school? We have all these different neighborhoods. Yeah. We have the city versus the county. So we have a kind of parochialism in mm-hmm. our culture, which means we've got our this tribe my... and everyone else has their, their yeah. separate mm-hmm. tribe, if you want to think of it that way. Um but I've always had the mindset that we're going to sink or swim as a, a region, and the only way we're going to prosper as a region is if we collaborate uh, with other, uh, both like-minded and unlike-minded individuals, and let's let's figure out how, what a common future positive uh, vision is and work together. And that's sort of in my mm-hmm. DNA, if you will. And to your point, Emily. Um, City Foundry, which is our current project and, and we're very, very excited about, would no way have ever even come close to happening without an enormous number of partners and supporters and mm-hmm. people who have, um, you know, helped in all kinds of different ways. And I'm talking about, you know, whether it's the city and the universities and other businessmen and mm-hmm. businesswomen and, involved and the state of Missouri well, so and the National Park Service in Washington, oh. D.C. And I mean, it's been an enormous number and types of individuals and organizations that have lined up to say, we 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 believe in we the believe. vision and yeah. we want to help. And um, without it, we wouldn't be where we are. And we, we'd like to think we're creating something really kind of special, uh, special for St. Louis. Uh, but what is also special is the collaborations and the teamwork and the Without being too cliche here, uh, you know, just the way people have kind of pulled together and helped us. And we've had many, many, many challenges over the, it's, it'll be five years in May since it started. Since it
0: started. Um, but when did you have the idea for it?
2: May 14th, 2015. So it's about, fast. About two in the afternoon.
1: Okay. Well, as long as you know the time we started. <laughs> Which is an interesting story, fast, by for... the way. And so Steve is very much an adventurer. Mm-hmm. And so the whole this whole city foundry project came about because he was willing to risk his life, literally, <laughs> to to see the potential in this development project. So,
0: so I'm, I'm just going to go out here on a limb. Are you requiring most visionaries in St. Louis to be willing to risk <laughs> their lives no, for projects? Risk something. I think risk, risk something. something, and you
2: know, I think we all know that uh, to. to to change things means to take some chances, and so yeah. um, so anyway, yeah, risk. I'm very comfortable with risk.
0: So well, uh, your first <laughs> your first purchase was a risky purchase, you know, a <laughs> yeah, like ten thousand dollars shell of a building of in Lafayette, building. Square, Lafayette right. Square was a risky purchase that paid off for you. Yeah, I mean, I guess look and looking at your history and. Um, you know, can you get a, give a percentage on like you know successes versus oh man, I wish I'd have done things differently. Yeah.
2: You know, I think if uh, if you're entrepreneurial, the the main rule of thumb is that you have more successes than failures because you're going to have both.
1: Yeah. And well, I'd and even a failures. failure educates and informs future decisions, and so in a way it's still a success.
2: So definitely have learned more from the failures than the successes. Mm -hmm. Successes lead to hubris, if you're not careful. Mm -hmm. Failures lead to introspection. And if you think of it properly, uh, education. And so my first failure was in the mid to late 80s. After I bought that Lafayette Square building, I uh, acquired some properties in Lafayette Square that failed and cost at the time an enormous amount of money for what I could afford at that time. And I just kind of thought of that as my uh, graduate education. That's the way mm-hmm. I kind of thought about it because I learned as much.
0: And you had It cost as much.
2: As much. <laughs> uh, so the point, yeah, I think. Um, you just
0: had a different kind you of You can't fancy be afraid of failure. Wall. Failure cannot be, be
2: um, the reason for not trying things. The fear of failure can't be. So, um,
0: Well, sometimes I think people might be, it's not necessarily fear of failure, but it's what do you do after you've. You have failed. Like, how do you pick yourself back up? I mean, you know, Mm. like, if this costs a whole lot of money, how do you, you know, like, how do you start back over? You know, there wasn't a Starbucks then to go get a job working there. I mean, it's just sort of like how financially and emotionally do you—
2: I think the emotional is the hard part. I
1: think that's a really excellent question because, I mean, people literally, like, kill themselves over, you know— Uh, bankruptcy and you know fear of losing major deals and money money is so tied to how we feel about ourselves and our validation that it's it's a hard thing for a lot of people to you know be okay
0: with having no money (laughs) you know well I think I mean just like how did you pick yourself up yeah
2: yeah, you know, I... Uh, did so you have had, kids
0: at the time?
2: I did. Uh, and I was going through a divorce at the same time, too. So oh, I a my gosh. Divorce was, uh, the bank uh, at the time, our bank called our loan at, at the Lawrence Group. So, literally, we the bankers called us in and said, we don't want you as a customer anymore. you got 30 days to pay us off. Um, I had this building development that was failing. It all happened at the same time. And at the time, I'd never had a, a failure in my life. I didn't know what that felt like. Right.
1: Yeah. I'd only
2: had basically leave it to beaver, you know, yeah. everything just kind of worked out. And all of a sudden the world was crashing in on me. And, but, um, you know, I did have partners, uh, uh, partners that uh, I've spent my whole professional career with. And we kind of circled the wagons and said, we're going to beat this and work through this. And what we did and learned a tremendous amount about ourselves, about our partnership, about business, about banks. Yeah. <laughs> Getting
1: creative, like right? Getting creative.
2: And at the end of the yeah. day, L- learning that at the – I didn't lose I, – I, I, no one cut my knees off. I mean, you know, I, I, I could have gone out and got another job if we did get foreclosed on. Yeah. We didn't. But um, And so what was the worst that really could have happened from trying to do something good? That was the point, I think, for us is we were yeah. trying to do something good and we're not successful. No one could criticize us for that. And so, um, so – and at the end of the day, it wasn't like we were going to starve or be homeless. So yeah. Uh, so we picked ourselves up. And, and um, I guess the other thing I would say is people, I think, in general are, are supportive and positive. And, and when we were going through our toughest times, there were special individuals who came and—, and and helped in many different ways, mm-hmm. whether it would be we found a new bank to, to help us with the bank problem. And we found other individuals that were just there for encouragement, which was mm-hmm. really needed at that point in time.
1: Yeah. Positive and, energy, just having that around you can be such an incredibly powerful thing.
2: And I think if you're doing the right thing and you have uh, goodness in your purpose, you people like that will gravitate to you. Mm-hmm. And that's what we found in our career. Uh, and that's what I've seen in my career. You know, in the recession of 2008, while we were building actually <laughs> studios here, um, you know, I was trying to develop Park Pacific, and the banks pulled out because of the recession. And here I own this big 22 story building that was empty, and we had a That's big downtown loan on St. It, St. Louis.
1: For those of our listeners who aren't in St. Louis, it's a big, glorious building downtown. It was, it was the
2: world headquarters of Union Pacific Railroad at one time, so it's a big, beautiful, you know, building built in the 20s. Um, all of a sudden, uh, basically over a weekend, um, the banks pulled out the financing and you know I was I had to imagine I could go bankrupt, I could be foreclosed on, I could mm-hmm. have to file personal bankruptcy. I'd have to sh- shut down my business. and you now we survived that. Again, many of the same things happen where good people gravitated around us and we found a path out of it um
1: because they believe in you because again you're doing good work
2: i think i think that's the foundation of it mm-hmm. exactly what's yeah.
1: your intention behind what you're doing
2: and, and and also for me i thought well what would happen i'd live in a maybe a studio apartment <laughs> but that's okay yeah. i could i could be comfortable with that yeah. at this point in my life and even today where I'm betting enormous amounts of money, more than I've ever imagined in my entire yeah. life, times Do
0: you need 10. to knock on any wood? You've got <laughs> lots of wood around here if you need It's like, to, you yeah. know,
2: I've lived a blessed life because so many wonderful people have been part of it. I've got a wonderful family, great kids. Um, I've had a terrific career with wonderful partners. And so, um, yeah, if, uh, you know, all comes crashing down at this point, I've had a lot of good. and so, so But the point of that is, I mentioned earlier, not having the fear of failure hold yeah. you back. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm sober about what failure, ultimate failure, would look like. Yeah, which I don't think will happen. I really don't. But that is what allows me to sleep peacefully at night. Yeah, you come to
1: terms it. with what the worst case scenario Correct. could possibly exactly be. Right? Yeah,
2: I'm totally at terms of what what really would happen. I got a big family. I got eight brothers and sisters. They'd feed me. I'd live in their house if I had to. So I mean, it, yeah, would mm-hmm. it be? You know, it would be. Very, very much of a different life, but... Um... Yeah,
0: I guess it's possibly a, a little easier to be riskier now because, like, your kids are older. I know, I, I mean, That's right. it's easier for Emily and I to do this podcast now and for me to put the time and energy into it now because, you know, my kids are older. I can't imagine having, mm-hmm. well, there wasn't extra to do this type of, this type of fun uh, when, you know, the kids were... Mm-hmm. eight four and zero you yeah, know that's true um so you know what's what who else is riding the line with you when you're doing projects and um, what's mm-hmm. important but I also you know you've said numerous times and that y- it was your intention and you know mm-hmm. and we see in the paper most people when they uh when they are are operating from a point of Good intention, evil. Or those or, that operate okay. in the evil, evil size, or yeah. shortcuts, or, yeah. or don't you know? Don't want to, or just in it for themselves, and that they usually end up getting you know caught, and and yeah. and it's worse. Their their failure is worse. You so know. I think
2: about it. Um, I, I've gotten very sort of philosophical about life and things as I gotten older, and
0: yeah, we all <laughs> being do. through
2: some tough things, yeah. but. Um, you know, I'm, I I have a business. I've got a bunch of employees, and I feel like I'm responsible for them and their families. But at the end of the day, as a business person, I am not in business primarily to make money. I'm in business to provide a valued service. Mm-hmm. And if I do that well,
1: The money, the money will be will take there. take care of itself.
2: So I, it, that's not the primary yeah, purpose.
1: Yeah. I have found that to be true, you know, time and time again throughout my career. You know, I've... I've had so many instances where, you know, I I it, again the intention it's like if am I here to um help help my clients live a better life? Am I, you know, what why am I here? And the minute that, you know, a dollar sign starts entering my mind like, "Ooh, this could be a financially rewarding project." You know, that's when things spiral out. Like I learned that lesson very very long. Early on, that it was like I can never think about the money. It's always got to be about money's
2: the result, not the purpose.
1: Exactly, and that's so, a hard yeah. thing for a lot of
0: people to shift their minds around. It is hard. Because what do we see in our our media messages and our you know what is yeah. success? You know, there it's success very, is spelled with two dollars symbols. Very at
1: materialist,
0: the end, you know, kind of. Viewpoint. Um, Yeah. I mean, I was told, and, you know, if you do what you love, the money will come, right? And, and and that's how you can say that, and it's like, okay, how do, you know, how how true is that? But um, so many of us operate just to pay the bills, or just we have this job just so I can keep, you know, this person in the car and this person in these shoes and this person as opposed to being able to do what we love. Um, And, and I think that, I think we do, we do a disservice to our, society when Mm -hmm. we're all chasing the money money and the dollar it's so
1: funny because okay so we're now in our fourth season with the podcast and it's a really interesting thing when we're talking with people it's it is a very common first question for people to say so you making money at that how do you make money at that and you know and uh, we're not, <laughs> so uh, I know you guys are Just worried. Just put it out there. But, but, you know, again, Michelle, you said it from the very beginning, like, I do not care if this makes money. Like, yeah, it'd be great if if we, you know, were able to— Well, we're getting our wine
0: provided, yeah, so— Yeah, you know, hey, you know, I mean,
1: but, but that's the, not our intention.
0: No, and like, you know, it's, there are people that spend their money on— playing golf. Right. Or, you know, they have, you know, like their hobby would could be like ballroom dancing, which is way more expensive than yeah. podcasting. Right. You know? And it's right. like, I I've got extra dollars, I can spend it on something that makes me so happy
1: yeah and provides viewpoints that are valuable i mean yeah. we and that's the other thing that we hear so after we hear of, are you making money it's always like a, oh we love all the different viewpoints yeah, <laughs> so, yeah.
2: Well, <laughs> yeah, i guess the question is rather than are you making money is this, are you living a fulfilled and purposeful life yes i love um, that does this bring us joy because if you're making money and you're not fulfilled and feel like a purposeful life what's the point um, yeah so Yeah, Yeah. I
0: worked at um, Arthur Anderson way back in the day. Um, For those of you who aren't familiar with it, it went away when Enron crashed. But uh, I was on their own uh, making. And I remember some of the partners who, like, they they made so much money, but they were so miserable because they weren't doing what they loved. And I call that the golden handcuffs, that they've gotten themselves a situation where, like, they can't go and do what they want because somebody's expecting them to have that that dollar amount or or that lifestyle.
1: Well, we've talked about that, like, in in our own personal lives, too. Like, I've I've shared before in earlier episodes how, you know, I definitely went through an era in my life, um, in my my ex-life prior to me moving to St. Louis, where I was, you know, I was living the life that I thought I had to, you know, and it was, it afforded me a good living, right? But I was miserable, and now you know it's it's been so it's been so great to come to the other side and now I have a new kind of currency in my life and it's joy yeah yeah it's joy and wine (laughs) well and (laughs) lots of lots of wine on that note let's take a quick little break to refresh our glasses great idea Michelle, I'm so excited. We have a new sponsor. I know, Emily.
0: We're thrilled to bring them on board as partners here at Clearly Speaking the Podcast.
1: It's a great group of people. It's worry-free marketing. Uh Uh-huh. And, you know, I discovered them many years ago when I first moved to St. Louis. I was doing a lot of independent consulting work at that time, and this company was my go-to resource whenever I knew... A company needed a new website or website work. They needed help in that digital world, driving good prospects to their website through AdWords, Facebook campaigns, whatnot. They just did a great job. And I love those guys.
0: So they're a sponsor for us and they're like our social media partners, right? Exactly. I mean, mean, this is like a really great resource for us. I mean, you have done an incredible job with your phone and your (laughs) iPad and your laptop, you know, putting things together. But it's nice when you can have a team behind you.
1: That's right.
0: I mean, because things happen... More quickly when you have a team versus trying to do it all by yourself.
1: Absolutely. Well, you know it's its own specialty. Marketing yeah. is such a tough thing, and yeah. to do a really good job at it. I mean, I'm a visual person, right. a creative person. Yeah, so I, I've I've done the best that I can, but you know. But and the nice thing when you get to a point in a business
0: and you realize, hey, I I need to bring somebody on. If mm-hmm. you reach out to a company like Worry Free Marketing. And then you bring them on board, you are not going to be disappointed at all with the resources, with the research, with the analysis that they give you the strategy. with the strategy. you know. Yeah. Um, and we are so blessed to have them on board here at clearly speaking, the podcast. I'm Absolutely. very excited about this relationship. I know isn't it wonderful? It's great. So they can reach worryfree at
1: worryfreemarketing.com. And uh, You can always yeah, click we'll on make... the
0: link from our website, too.
1: That's absolutely right. All right. So thank you, Worry Free. You definitely helped us be worry-free.
0: And we're back. Yes. Thank you so much, Emily, for giving us some more wine.
1: I mean, you know, we're talking a lot. We need to keep these palates, like, I, you know, hydrated. I was, I was concerned. I was looking a little, you know, parched. Was it getting, like, mm the wine version of cottonmouth i'm not exactly sure what that is but <laughs> Don't <know either>. yeah <laughs> but this
0: is lovely thank you so much i appreciate yeah. it
1: so one of the things that we i had mentioned earlier that i kind of want to like dig into a little bit was um, how steve is just a real adventurer and you know there's some some evidence of that you know you've got the the moto museum which is like your own personal collection of how many motorcycles?
2: About 120 vintage motorcycles. Okay. That's
1: yours. Oh, okay. So that's connected my, to the Triumph?
2: It's right to next to the door. Triumph Grill restaurant. Okay. Yeah. I call it a hobby on steroids. So,
1: <laughs> It was originally like your own man cave that you're like, yeah, yep. I'll turn it into a museum. Right? It, exactly. Yeah. I got to share
2: these with everybody. <laughs> when
1: was the first time you rode a motorcycle? How old Four, were you?
2: 14 years old. Four, and you were hooked. And I was hooked. Part of it was because my parents wouldn't let me have one. You know how it is. Yeah. It's sort of that. Yeah. It wouldn't let me have one, so when I finally was able to, I was—and I still ride to this day. we this weekend.
0: What is yeah. your—what's um, your favorite? Do you have a favorite motorcycle? Well, it's like
2: children, but— uh... <laughs> Right,
0: right. I mean, I, you know— You love them we all you're for different reasons. I favorite in the
2: collection, so I have a collection. Uh-huh. So it's a rambling collection of very rare, interesting—probably the favorite one in the collection is a 1927 Czechoslovakian-made Bomerland— Boomerlin. I've never even heard of that. So it's about 10 feet long. Whoa. It's a Boomerlin long touring model. Seats three in a row. So oh my mom, gosh. dad, and child can be on the bike in a row. Wow. So I uh, bought it from a collector out of Regensburg, Germany. Have you so, have you driven it? I've not ridden it. Okay. Um, or ridden it. Okay. Yeah. So um, that's probably the favorite in the collection. Are
1: there some that you just, like, you can't, you won't ride them because they're too rare or precious? Oh, or? I
2: think it's just more a matter of I got a lot of them and. Generally, you know, just for safety reasons, they don't have gas yeah. in the tanks. So you take the oil out, you take the batteries out. You don't want these things catching fire. So, um, mm. you know, to get them running is takes some work and okay. they're just beautiful. In my mind, they're beautiful engineering works of industrial sure. art, if you art, will. Yeah. So, uh, and so I have bikes from Russia and Poland and Switzerland and uh, Spain and uh, Sweden, you know. Oh so gosh. I try to collect from as many countries around the world as I can, primarily mm-hmm. European countries. and. You know, the design—I'm an architect, so I, I appreciate the design of the machine, and they're yeah. all different, and a lot of innovations and curiosities about them. And that's really the purpose of the Moto Museum.
0: Okay. And then, so what is your favorite one to ride currently?
2: So I ride a what's called a KTM 1190 Adventure.
0: KTM 1190 Adventurer.
2: There you go. Or? Adventure. Oh, right. Yeah. So it's, I call it the SUV of motorcycles, which means oh. you can go off road with it. Okay. But you can cruise down the interstate. So, um, but, you know, I like off road because it's just fun and challenging and adventurous.
1: Uh huh.
2: Um, and so, um, so we did um, a couple years ago, we did, uh, 10 days in Eastern Europe, uh, went from Vienna, Austria, Czech Republic, Slovakia,
1: oh my gosh. Hungary
2: into Budapest, then went down into Serbia. Uh-huh. Uh, this is during the refugee crisis. So we're going into Serbia and there's miles of traffic trying to get out of Serbia. And here we're riding You're into Serbia in. yeah. and then spent, um, I don't know, about a four or five days in uh, Romania. Uh, Riding in the Carpathian Mountains. Oh, wow. Uh, So,
0: would you take your own bike over there or would you rent
2: something that's over there? I have a guy. I have a guy. You have a guy. Uh, Okay. okay. Well, there you go. That's all (laughs) we needed to know. So
1: how do you go about that? Like going into countries where people are not only trying to get out, but they're like they can't get out. Like how – what's the process of being able to have that fluidity? and yeah, freedom.
2: So it was fascinating. So we you know, we were riding uh it was four of us and we were riding into into Serbia. We thought that it'd be cool to go to Serbia. Why not? Uh why not? You're so here. we're in Hungary. Hungary's EU, Serbia's not and uh, so all these refugees were trying to get into the European Union because once you're there you, you can, can go anywhere in. just like the US. But um but the border into Serbia was a was a closed border. So so we're like, oh, if we go in here, are we are going to be able to get back out? Right. Uh, but what the heck? So we went <laughs> in. Because
0: um... you know what? You
1: know a guy.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, that wasn't going to help us. <laughs> oh,
1: no. Different guy. <laughs> when the guards yeah.
2: came up with their machine guns and asked if we had papers for these bikes we were on, including a KTM 11A adventure, uh, we had to call the guy I rent them from who's in Austria and – Sure enough, uh, we knew the guy to get us into Serbia, but um, we th- we found a, a very rural border crossing um, in eastern Serbia, and there was no traffic, and we scooted, you know, showed our, showed our passports, um, and let us go right back into basically Romania, which is EU. So, uh, wow! And then we traded the, or we set the, the the big bikes aside and got basically dirt bikes,
1: yeah, and
2: rode into the mountains of Romania. Wow.
1: That is. Do you, and, I mean, did you, are you good about photojournaling?
2: No, not really. Yeah,
1: you're, like, <laughs> so, absorbing it as it's happening. Yeah, and like, it's
2: fascinating because in Romania, you know, they don't have trucks so much. They still have horse, horse-drawn carts.
1: Really?
0: When well, how in, many years ago was this? Two. Two? So <laughs> Seriously? Um, so
2: we'd go into these really small backwater towns in Romania, and the, the sort of farmers, rather than being in pickups, are, Basically, horse-drawn carts with that are hand, the carts are like handmade. You know, they're old oh reclaimed my wood. Gosh. And we went into one town, and there was this big procession coming down the, the street. And this is a little tiny Romanian town, and we couldn't figure out what it was. And uh, the front of the procession was like a a, a a priest with a big top hat on. And then actually, it was, it was a, a funeral. funeral. Yeah. And uh, they had a horse-drawn cart, and the and the, oh. the body was in the cart, and they were not, all marching. Not a by. coffin. Uh, no, sitting on a just a, pier. a body, yeah,
1: really. Dressed, you know, so yeah. it was
2: like like a yeah. open like their casket,
1: visitation in a way, in a right? way. And they were yeah. going through
2: town, I guess, on their way to wherever they were going. So uh, while we're riding wow. on our motorcycles oh. in the other direction, so that uh, but, but that, that, that's the point of it all. The point of it is, um, you don't know what you are going to see, where you are going to go, the people you are going to meet. I mean, there is. We were in southern. Um, we were heading to Slovi- Slovakia, not not Slovakia, Slovenia. Mm-hmm. Um, in southern Austria, and you know, iPhones. I, I just put the iPhone on the handlebar, and you type in. We were going to uh, Ljubljana, Slovenia, mm-hmm. and here's how you go, and you follow the thing, and all of a sudden the road ended.
1: Oh my gosh! On your and, phone?
2: No, the road oh. ended on the road. Oh I mean, <laughs> we're driving the motorcycle. The road stop. <laughs> and it turns out there was a little uh, brick building there. We walked up to the brick building, said, "Well." Where How do we get... Oh, you have to get on the train ferry. Oh, my God. So, they, you know, we think of ferries oh. crossing rivers. Yeah. This is a railroad train. You put your vehicle, cars and motorcycles, on the railroad car. You, you get in the railroad and for probably 20 minutes through a mountain.
1: Unbelievable. And so
2: we went into the pitch black in this train and sat there and sat there and sat there. And that came out the other side and we were in Slovenia and unloaded our motorcycles and for 20 minutes they had tunneled through this mountain and and so anyway those are the sort of the idea of going on an adventure yeah, yeah. um is it's not connecting booking and the hotel ahead of time we 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 normally would book the hotel around 1 in the afternoon knowing how far we were going to get that day on the bike on the bike perfect and cuz you didn't know if, if it's raining you're not going to get as far yeah so anyway and are these
0: friends of yours that you've traveled with yeah.
2: like you know for years and years yeah or? these are these are like-minded guys that uh you know are willing to to get to ride not knowing where you're going to end up that night. Yeah. Which is often the case.
1: Have yeah. you ever come into trouble?
2: No. Um yeah. I don't know how you define trouble, but I did get pulled been over robbed, by a Romanian police been officer.
1: Arrested so, like yeah. Well, so I have a photo
2: I <laughs> can show you.
0: Wondering, so, so she's going to <laughs> Been held
2: for ransom. So, uh, this is back in Romania. This was outside of um uh, uh Who's who's Adora? Who's Adora Romania? And um, we were being a little in a hurry, I guess I would say. And I was leading the way of the four of us and, and then passed a truck who was, you know, not moving fast enough in a no passing zone. Oh. Not a big infraction. But anyway, right as I'm doing it, a police officer, a Romanian police officer gets out of his car, turns his lights on, points at me and says, pull over. I don't think I want to try and outrun a Romanian police officer. So I pulled over and sure enough um, he pulled out his ticket writing thing started mentioning in Romanian, something about going to to uh, uh, Bucharest to see the judge. It's like I don't want to go to Bucharest to oh see a judge. <laughs> How much would it cost me just to pay the ticket right here? <laughs> yeah. So were you able to do that? I was. Okay. So you In were cash. able. You were cash. able to
1: understand him, or He spoke you, English when he, he realized
2: did? we were American.
1: Yeah. The yeah, pulled out my the price increased. Exactly
2: right. <laughs> he pulled out a handwritten, a handwritten little no thing. No carbon. It was seventy liu. LEU. I have 70 LEU. I'll just pay the ticket right here.
1: And what 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 is approximately seventy exchange
2: rate? I don't know, probably thirty dollars. Oh yeah, yeah. It's
1: like yeah, we're fine. It was
2: worth thirty dollars just to have the the story to tell on future (laughs) podcasts. (laughs)
0: Exactly. uh, (laughs) Hey guys, I'm going to be extremely. uh, uh, We did take pictures of
2: the officer though with him, (laughs)
0: like selfies,
2: talking to me, and you know. Oh my uh,
1: god! Is he going to
2: take my key? away and make me go to the judge in Bucharest, you know, so... uh okay.
1: you on the side of the road. Well, if you have that to share, I think that would be spectacular for us to share on our blog of this well, I'll conversation. Show what I'll show you to share. I'll Okay.
2: I could, I could text it to you, so... Fabulous.
1: Uh. <laughs> yeah, that is great. So,
0: what do you have? Do you have any adventures planned? Yeah, like, so
2: we were just talking. Somebody's going to El Salvador. Yes. So, um... I am going around the world in April, literally around the world.
0: Like like around the world in 80 days, kind of around uh, the world? Probably in
2: about 30 days.
0: 30 days, hot air balloon,
2: or? No, so it's going to be multiple, multimodal. Okay,
0: <laughs> multimodal. So are we going so, with the same people you, you No, this with? is going
2: to be a little more um, trading people off here and there. Okay. So so yeah, flying to so uh, St. Louis to New York at the end of March. I have twin daughters who live in New York City, and then I'm flying on to London where one of my business partners lives, and he's a lord. Oh, he's a the Right Honourable Lord Shriraj Paul, uh-huh. PC, which means Privy Council. Okay. Uh, so very uh, no. wonderful, wonderful, wonderful man. Does and he require
0: you to call him the Right Honourable every morning? <laughs> Hello, Good He morning. doesn't require
2: the- that, but he is referred to as Lord Paul. So um, yeah. okay. And so uh, he has invited me to join him for a trip to India, where he, where he was born.
1: Oh, oh my wow. God!
2: So if you're going to go to India, you might as well go with a lord, no right? Kidding. So uh, so we're going to fly from London to Delhi. Um, and so I'll spend a week in Delhi with him, and I know he'll show me.
0: Was this your first time to, to
2: first India? Time, first time to India. Okay. And so uh, then— um, Is there
1: a relationship there between so Lord Paul, Paul d- and yeah. Angad?
2: Yeah, so Lord Paul is Angad's father. Oh, okay. To so the Angad Arts Hotel, named after yeah. Angad Paul, who passed away. This is his father. Mm. And so he is my partner in the Angad Arts Hotel. Uh, he's also a partner in um, City Foundry and— his company is called Kaparo, and he, again, a wonderful man, has um, an amazing story. He has a biography about him. You can look him up on Wikipedia. Uh, he's friends with prime ministers and heads of state. He was close with Indira Gandhi. Wow. Oh, my so, gosh. Um, fascinating, fascinating You're in individual. good company. Yeah. And so I get to fly with him uh, as his guest, basically, to um, to his homeland, Marvelous. India. Marvelous. And so that's the first week of April, and then um, then the plan right now is to go from. When I go on trips, I like to rent bikes because you mm-hmm. see the country and the countryside if you're on two wheels, yeah, motorcycle that is. So from Delhi, the plan is to go to Hanoi, Vietnam, wow, and then um, uh, basically get off-road bikes and ride in the mountains of northern Vietnam for probably a week. Um, end up back in Hanoi, then fly to Bangkok, Thailand, where I have a son who lives in Bangkok. Okay. And so visit with him for a little bit. And then I've got a wedding, if you can believe it, how all this stuff comes together. (laughs) I have a wedding in Bali.
0: Oh, wow. Which will be the next
2: stop, uh, a traditional Indian wedding, um, and then, then return home to Los Angeles and then to St. Louis. So do do you know how many miles it is around the world by, by coincidence? Uh, Any guesses? No, but please tell us. There you go. Is Twenty-six thousand miles. Oh my gosh! Is roughly the circumference of the uh, the Earth, and if you're flying five miles high, which is what you fly, you're
1: flying. F- it's yeah, actually ex-
2: farther, right? <laughs> so oh you can god. do that if, if you get any good. This uh, is the math. The,
0: the, math and the mathematician the, and you exactly. as an architect,
2: right? <laughs> What's that
0: angle, right? <laughs> and I mean, how many degrees? Uh, so Twenty-five thousand miles, miles not the including
2: the motorcycling and everything else we're going to do in you know the space of the oh month. Oh my god! And
0: That's you get to see amazing. your daughters and your son. Yeah. Yep. How awesome yep. is that? Now, have you been to Vietnam before?
2: I've never been to Asia before. Okay. So, uh, so all of that, Thailand, Vietnam, India, Bali, will all be first time.
1: Oh, my gosh. Well, we'll yeah. have to have you back when you come
2: return, you know. <laughs> so I, I, I'll probably need some tips because I do want to do documented, and you know, oh, tweet yeah. or post or Instagram, Instagram or yeah. whatever because right. there will be so many interesting people that, that uh, I'm sure we'll meet and – and all that so um,
1: well before you leave we'll, we will have a conversation about that for <laughs> yeah. just yeah. another adventure and you yeah. know going
2: back to, to, come to some of the other conversation about what you know how, what you, what we do with our lives and this was presented to me I was offered to to go so it's like i can't pass that up
1: it's a sure sign that it's just kind of meant to be like and you know i've definitely struggled in the past with that dynamic of being in the moment versus capturing the moment like i I remember the first time i went to paris i went with two girlfriends and i pretty much just assigned them to be the journalists of the trip because i i just wanted to soak it all in and I'm, i'm so glad that we had that arrangement you know um but I definitely um you know in this space now where it's like I I don't know I, I, I love to deeply appreciate things but I I, I guess I don't trust my memory or something. I'm like, I got to capture this. Well, <laughs> those are the
2: journey of life that you do want to kind of be able to, to, to go back on. So yeah. to be able to memorialize that somehow.
0: It's a little different though, you know, now with the social media and the Instagram and Facebook yeah. and stuff. Because, you know, you're there, you're taking pictures and then you're posting about it right then. And so it's sort of like you sort of, you do take a step outside of, being in the moment because you're trying to to, to it. jot it all down and share it right then, as opposed to 30 years ago when I studied abroad, and you know we were just excited. We got double prints, right? You would take, <laughs> right. take all your pictures, but you're still in the moment, and then you go and you get the you know yeah. the pictures developed and come back, and then you would write out you're like,
1: oh, what my it thumbs was. in that photo, yeah, or you're like,
0: <laughs> okay, this is where we were, and you know, write yeah. on the back of it and date it and stuff like that. You know that. So it's it's just it's just a little different so mm-hmm. um and I do most of my you know I'm I'm not as pro- prolific on social media unless I have to a funny thing to say or um or I'm traveling then I want to post all the pictures for everybody but my regular yeah. day-to-day who I'm at the office <laughs> right Ooh, I'm leaving the office You know, <laughs> I, I don't want to do that kind of stuff right um but um, but when you're traveling around the world, I, I mean. I would totally expect right? it. I would totally do yeah. it. I mean, I did when my daughter and I were traveling. So,
1: I mean, like, just, just coming across a train ferry. Like, yeah, that is, I didn't even know that, that existed, right? From
2: one country to another. Exactly.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It it's, uh, informs the rest of the world.
2: Yeah, and I think you know the projects I'm involved in, uh, whether it's the Angad Arts Hotel and City Foundry, really, those are all inspired by things I've seen in other places get, around the world. I was so, ask you, about I think, that. you know, going back to the earlier conversation about you know St. Louis, is um, bringing some of the in, interesting, unique, uh, innovative ideas, best practices, whatever from. From this world and, and bringing it to St. Louis, because since we're a multi-generational community here, unlike other cities, you know, we can be a little stuck in our ways because because that's a good good quality, being multi-generational. But it does sometimes mean that we're not bringing new ideas mm-hmm. like, like we need to. Yeah. And that, that really can come from travel.
0: Well, one of the things that I've found about St. Louis is that, or the, the image that we sometimes project around about st louis is really like a real thin veneer and that um if you could just crack that veneer and go right underneath it we are just dynamic and bubbling and innovative and all of these exciting things that are happening um but they don't they're just they don't Meet what maybe the older, stodgier ideas of what St. Louis is. I mean, St. Louis is. We ha- of course we have our sports teams and our and our large institu- institutions, but the the some really cool things are happening in the in the middle to lower tier of of um, technology, art, music. I mean, we have phenomenal musicians here in St. Louis, mm-hmm. not only at the symphony, but, you know, the quartets, that you, the classic, the the jazz, the, the, jazz, the, yeah. the rock bands. The you know, So I'm opening theater. a concert
2: venue, uh, hopefully in <gasps> September, called The what? Sovereign.
0: Oh, oh really? It'll
2: be in Grand Center. it uh, will have a 1,200-person capacity. So speaking of music, oh so uh, it's a mid-sized venue, and so we can... Should probably do a podcast there. So uh, we'll you, yeah, you, you can be the first podcast. It'll be the Gosh. opening of your fifth season. How about that? Wow! <laughs> wow. So, uh, so twelve hundred
0: people. So 1, a little capacity. smaller than the pageant.
2: Correct. We don't want to compete with the pageant. Right. To, so bigger than the Rock House, smaller than the pageant. It'll be that kind of. We say it's uh, the the new Mississippi Nights. If you remember oh, Mississippi Nights yeah. in the day, yeah. so um, it'll be more club like. It's just a big floor, so it's not fixed. Not, not seats. It's it's standing. So is um, this
1: also a historic building?
2: You, you betcha.
1: <laughs> so right. what was the building?
2: Well, the building was built probably in the 1920s uh, in the, the part of Midtown that was where all the automobile dealers were back in the 20s and 30s. Mm. Okay. So this was actually, when it was built, was an automobile dealer. I don't know what manufacturer it was, Nash or something like that. And I don't know if, if our, our listeners know, or certainly our St. Louis listeners know, that that area was where the original— Auto dealers were all located. The Cadillac, Packard, Nash, or all St. those Louis. dealers. The dealers where they sold the cars. We're right along what? Locust and Washington Locust Avenue. Locust and Washington. Between Jefferson hmm. and basically Grand. Wow. And they're still there. And if you go there now, you'll see there's plaques on a lot of the buildings. Said so this was right. the Cadillac building. Like the Dodd-Zach. I don't know if you remember the Dodd-Zach. Right. That was That yeah. was a Cadillac dealer.
1: Oh, my Back gosh. in the year, in 1920s. Really? Wow.
2: So anyway, so the building where the Sovereign's going to go was an auto dealer. And uh, so it's got a great big volume space in there and so we're uh, gonna hopefully start construction here within the month and open oh up hopefully goodness. in september or maybe october nothing
1: like year. adding another major project into the suite um so you know city foundry which we've talked about a little bit but i want to give context for the rest of listeners is this is a huge project i mean it started five years ago um, but it is actually astounding to me that you've been able to pull this off in five years and it's opening in June but it's it's modeled after some things that you've seen during travels like the Chelsea market and right. Um, really, really incredible. So I'm just amazed that here you are like, oh, let's, yeah, one more thing. No problem. Let's open that up this year also.
0: <laughs> it's no big deal. I mean, in between my world, my world trip. Well, this was from um,
2: another trip. I mean, there's like everything in my life, there's a story behind this. So, uh, you know, I gave you the exact time when yes. this project started. So, uh, I have a son who went to, uh, lived in Atlanta, went to Georgia Tech for his, uh, for college and his graduation was May 14th, 2015. Saturday. So uh, we go down for his graduation. You know, For those who have kids, you sit there for two hours and they mention your kid's name for 10 seconds. You scream and holler. You scream and holler. And then afterwards, uh, my son, whose name is Will, uh, we're outside the graduation hall and and Will says, Dad, there's this cool new new market uh, called the Krog Street Market in South Atlanta. We got to go for lunch. So we all pile in the car and we drive down to the Krog Street Market, which is... To give you a sense of the area in Atlanta, it's southeastern Atlanta, not far from where Martin Luther King was born. Okay, so it's it's a mixed, it's a very diverse community, um, and it was a foundry and it had a food hall in it, and so around we were having lunch so around two in the afternoon. I'm eating a Fred's hamburger from the from the Krog Street Market, and we're seeing, I think, this is so cool. It's got all this energy. All different kinds of people there. There's dogs and pets and babies and families and just, you know, it's very diverse, Life. full of energy. And it's yeah. all uh, local chefs. Mm. Doggone, it, where could we do something cool like this in St. Louis? Mm-hmm. And so I'm saying it was about two in the afternoon. Yeah. You know, it was like a light bulb went off. Well, what about that federal mogul complex? So that's. What about that federal mogul complex mm. on Forest Park Avenue right there next to Slough? They're building an IKEA across the street, I hear. Mm-hmm. It's for sale. So literally sitting at a picnic table down in Atlanta is where the idea started. The following weekend, which would be May twenty first, two thousand fifteen, Will and I drive down to the site. Federal Mogul Corporation owned mm-hmm. it, mm-hmm. and they had a guard shack there. And there's a guard. Uh, and this
1: uh, is an empty building. It's been empty for it's some been time. Empty at for,
2: points, for, right? for quite some time, it yeah. was a foundry. They manufactured things there, but it's mm-hmm. a dirty.
1: But they ugly, still kept a, card th- a guard there. So right. The guard price yeah.
2: liability, just keep yeah. people off the site. It's a big ten acre site. And how many how many did it cost you to get <laughs> in? <laughs> so I walked up to the lady who was the guard, and in my you know, most polite voice, say, you know, I see uh, there's a for sale sign. I see the property's for sale. You know, could my son and I kind of peek in? And she was really nice, and she says, Oh no, I can't let you do that. You might die. (laughs) So risking your your life. Mm -hmm. So uh, I thought, oh, yeah, right. It's got some asbestos in there. I'm I'm not worried about that. I mean, come on. Come on. I've already already been exposed. She says, uh, (laughs) you know, call the number on the sign and they'll arrange that. Well, not to be deterred, we hop back in the car and it's a huge site. You know, it's half a mile long from one end to the other. We were able to drive down some of the back roads to get to the backside of the site and find a small opening in the fence squeeze through it. Did you check for cameras? Uh, uh, didn't care.
1: <laughs> and you'd already had tetanus shots and stuff, right? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so we're able to
2: kind of get through the, the the security fence. And then as luck would have it, there was an old door that was unlocked. Wow. And all of a sudden we're in the foundry. Um, and so with our iPhone flashlights, my son and I wander through this and there is Two inches of sludge on the floor, so it's just goop. It's yeah. just dirty as can be, very dark. You know, not yeah. quite pitch black, but very dark, and it's slick because of the sludge. Mm-hmm. And as we get into the kind of center piece of the foundry, there's all these enormous pits. Oh my gosh, that are filled with water. Yeah. And you could you could you literally could fall, in. fall into one yeah. and die. Yeah. Like she said. She wasn't lying. <laughs> she was I was thinking it was asbestos, but she was actually saying there's I mean there were all these sort of hazards. And they were filled with water and you didn't know when they're filled with water. So was that six inches deep or fifteen feet deep? And as right. we learned later on, it's about 15, fifteen foot deep. So uh, but I could tell you that as we went into the kind of main foundry space mm-hmm. I'm an architect. It's like this is so fricking cool. What it can be, right? What You're this like, can be. That very first moment, February twenty or May twenty first, uh, two thousand fifteen, at two thirty in the afternoon. And, uh, <laughs> this one was probably about the same time of day. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and so, um, literally, reached out to the broker and then the Federal Mogul and and uh, was basic, it a
0: Brownfield site? It was a Brownfield so site. Did you get so, some
2: help with the cleanup? So, so the state of Missouri, to their credit. With the encouragement of the mayor's office and the president of St. Louis University, uh, who wrote letters on our behalf, uh, did award us a Brownfield credit to, to clean up what is was an environmental hazard. Yeah. Um, so
0: not only is this going to be like a really cool thing for our our region, you've helped our region be healthier by getting that stuff out of just sitting there. Two
2: things about that. First is absolutely we cleaned up. What was primarily heavy metals, lead and things like that. So uh, but the other thing is rather than tear it down and throw it all into a landfill, we kept the buildings. There had yeah. been multiple previous proposals to redevelop the site, which is sort of typical of yeah, most mm-hmm. development. And certainly in St. Louis, it's like just scrape the thing clean and throw Put it away and start over. And, <laughs> right. and so we said, no, no, why would we tear down something really kind of unique and interesting and a little kind of just very unique, basically? Yeah and replace it with something that is totally vanilla, Yeah, a strip center, like every city in the USA has.
1: Mm-hmm. Which we, are being uh, abandoned.
2: Which are now becoming abandoned. Yeah. So so why don't we take something completely unique and put something completely vanilla? Let's keep what's really unique, and in this case, restore it, preserve it, repurpose it, not throw it into a landfill, not bury you know yeah. it under the ground, and, and keep it there. And that's what we did. So not only did we clean up the environmental hazard, we also... I believe we're more environmental friendly because you
0: didn't put just throw it
2: away I, right? I put
0: it on to somebody else That's right. you know put take our take this trash somewhere else um and and, exactly. and have you you community x take care of it well that is so exciting yeah yeah this is just um thank you i guess i know i know people tell you thank you enough in st louis for everything it, that you've you know, done it's been very rewarding. Uh, i mean you know <laughs> yeah. but you know from like the bottom of our hearts oh absolutely you know, i I'm excited for for that area. I'm excited for our you know our debut on the stage of the Sovereign. There you go. Uh, Party at uh, the the Foundry. Absolutely,
1: (laughs) both of those. Party of the Foundry.
0: Yeah, all of these things. Um, It's just going to be great. I mean, it's just an exciting time. for our for our community
2: and was well, sort of kind of come full circle from where we started you know our aspiration is that people from around the country will say yeah that St. Louis has got some cool stuff happening mm-hmm. and foundry being very visible and and you know there's other stuff happening too the new soccer stadium and yeah, yeah. and city museum and and uh, union station so i mean we really have some some neat momentum going on right now that hopefully yeah. changes quite frankly the world's narrative and perception of what St. Louis is and that goes back to the idea of having a purpose Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, and that's really what what uh, what we're doing.
0: Well, if, and it can also help St. Louisans be more proud, Absolutely. of what we have going on here. Exactly. Because sometimes you get bogged down in the fact that we're we we do not have eight hundred thousand people living in the city anymore. Yeah. We you know the nineteen oh four World's Fair was you know when we peaked and stuff. But no, yeah. we we're not. We didn't peak then. I mean, we we were riding a high, but we certainly. It wasn't the only high we can have yep. in the city. So,
1: well, cheers to a new era for St. Louis, a new season for the podcast, for an amazing first B-side conversation. First season, of season four. Four. yeah. Thank so, you for coming. Yeah. Well, thank you so, for, for
2: inviting me here, and you're here. Absolutely. <laughs>